and welcome to episode number 65 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Fairway J, where we break down all the big bets, all the big action, all the big news in the sports gambling industry. We are through week one of the NFL, heading here into week two. Guys, I am super, super excited. I actually had a profitable week one. I think a lot of people struggled in week one, but again, I am on team hashtag teaser life. So uh, I had a had a decent amount of teasers that hit. I had a pretty good core in my my teaser pool that I was using and and they pretty much got there for me. So decent week one for me. Um, well, you're, you're already off to a great start in week two. Why don't you just get the brag out of the way? Yeah, I mean, you know, we uh, we were fortunate enough before I went to bed on Wednesday night. I felt like that. I, I liked the Browns anyway. I, th- I felt it was a little bit of an overreaction. I think people were really down on them because of the way that they looked in week one and, and, you know, yeah, they did look bad, but I don't think we can just take that one game. And I think if you watch that Jets game and and I did, and Brett, I'm sure you did as well. I was not impressed at all with, with that Jets team. So I was trying to get down on the Browns. I saw some threes that had started to kind of pop up. I saw there were still two and a halves available. So said, I better get this two and a half before it gets to three. And then I'll wake up this morning to Sam Darnold has mono. So feeling pretty great considering that game got reposted at six and a half. So uh, four free points for Matt and uh, feeling pretty good. Yeah, well done. Feeling pretty good. Jay, how did week one treat you? Very well. I uh, I do a column every week. I've been doing it for a couple of years. I, I, I just write about underdogs that I'm interested in playing and document and uh had all four come through last week. I, I really think all four of them should have won outright. Obviously, the Colts uh, had Monday night. Houston had the Bengals. And uh, uh, should be easy. let's see my outright winner. I have to look again. Uh, <laughs> had had four straight. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm in a contest like you guys, and I did not use the Texans and plugged a loser in, in place of them. So um, that's the part I think of always when you're when you're betting and handicapping and, and doing the games is game selection management is always crucial and key. But there's a, as you mentioned, there's always different ways to bet them and you can always get into teaser betting as well. And I think that's, uh, that's the key. My other one was uh, the 49ers, which ultimately was maybe pick, but they were plus plus price as well. So, so it was a good week. Um, and we talked often those lines have been up for some time going into week one, and we see a lot of loop line movement. And now we're seeing the correction, overreaction, whatever you want to say about some of these week two games. And we'll talk about some of the situations surrounding those. I did not win all of my bets. I was dead wrong on a couple. I thought the I was really, really big on the over in that 49ers Bucks game. And despite the fact that get it, I got three defensive touchdowns and it still did not get there for the over. I mean, that is just absolutely pathetic. I also was pretty heavy on the Lions. I thought that was a really good spot for them. And I was feeling pretty great for about three, but for about two and a half quarters. And then the Lions decided that, uh, you know, this 24 to six lead that we've gotten by putting pressure on Kyler Murray. Let's go ahead and just drop back and play some uh, play some prevent defense starting in the middle of the third quarter and let this first overall draft pick just sit back in the pocket and pick us apart. And that is exactly what happened in that game. And as we all know, we watched that that lead not only dwindle, but completely evaporate and. I lost that one. That was a pretty that was a pretty tough one to to take. I had a decent hunk on that game and and it was worse to take considering I thought that I was going to cruise to a win there. I want to say you were on the right side there still, but you've got to you've got to factor coaching into these lines and that that Detroit Lions coaching staff might be the worst in the NFL. That was atrocious what they did in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, unacceptable. Yeah, just, just crazy, awful. right? Yeah. I mean, Jay, if you, I don't know if you were watching that game or not, but I mean, it was like they had incredible success staying in Kyler's Mur- Kyler Murray's face, trying to make him get out of the, get the ball out of his hand really quickly, trying to make him, you know, again first first real start in the NFL. And I was like, you know what? All right, Lions, look at you. All right, you finally uh, you're finally doing something that makes sense. And then it only took me two and a half quarters, and I realized like, oh, this is this is same old same old with these guys. Like just just going that game. That yeah. game was the one tough one for me. I. I ended up playing Lions first half, but I also did have the Lions. I went against a little thing I don't like to do, and that's play road favorites. But under yeah. under a field goal, I went for it. And, and more frustrating was I played under 48 and a half on that game back well over a month ago. <laughs> oh. And uh, that was a real tough one to swallow. You know, I, we, I was in a bind there when Arizona scored late. If they miss the two-point conversion to tie it, I'm going to win the under, but still lose the Lions minus two and a half. But when they went to overtime, I still thought we could get the Lions home. I used them in the contest, and I might – I might say I, I uh, it, it was costly a few years ago when one of my partners um, wanted to play a lot of road favorites, and I've it, it was another lesson learned maybe. But uh, there's no doubt that the, the Detroit should have had that game, and the statistical profiles bear it out with some of the rushing guidelines I use as well, and they just they just blew it completely. <laughs> so that's part of the NFL, certainly. We are on all of your favorite places to listen to podcasts, guys. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google. So please give us a five-star review. Please subscribe. Please leave, uh, you know, a nice little rating for us there. We are trying to climb up the charts, and we really appreciate all that. If you want to follow us on the Twitter machine, at the Lines US at PlayPicks. U.S. Of course, we got going here in week one, which means the handicapping contest got going here in week one. The final numbers, Westgate comes through with 3,328 entries. That is a new record. As you remember, that is a $1,500 entry in that one. 1.46, just shy of $1.47 million to first place there. That one pays out the top 100 circa. People were wondering if there was going to be an overlay in that. It was not the case at all, Circa gets there easily with 1,875 entries, which uh, is going to make for a $143,000 quarterly prize pool. Because as we talked about when we were profiling that uh, that we were profiling that contest, was everything over the guarantee was going to go into those quarterly prize pools, which really really pumped up from 50,000 all the way up to 143k if you can run hot for four weeks, Brett. Uh, you and I, I, I did think Circa was going to get there. I think you thought it was kind of a coin flip whether they were going to get there or not. But not only did they get there, just absolutely destroyed the guarantee. No, I didn't think it was going to get there. This this was a shock to me. Uh, so k- kudos to them. This is awesome. Uh, some competition here in these handicapping contests in Vegas. And uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see at the end of the year, which well, I mean, we'll talk. We'll be talking about this every single week. We do the, the Circa podcast. We're in the Circa contest together as the lines.com. But we'll be talking about that every week. Uh, but yeah, pretty exciting. Jay, and this is, you're looking at 1,875 entries, and this is before they actually even open Circa, which will be home to the largest sports book in the world. So if we're looking at 1,875 Ooh. here in year one, I mean, I don't think it's crazy to think that we'll get to 3,000 in year two, and, and which is crazy when the Westgate, you know, this is a new record for them at 3,328. I can see the Circa getting to 3,000 in year two of the contest's existence. Yeah, potentially there, and and I like, I like what they've done now with the uh, with the options, and they'll probably modify some of the uh, rules along the way to pay out 
potentially more, um, which I think is key. But the, the quarterly is obviously of interest for many people that enter. And I'm guessing there's some good crossover from Westgate entries to Circa as well. But that contest will certainly grow the Circa. And uh, it's the one thing I'd like to see the Westgate is expand their payouts. And we've talked about that before. But I started using a lot on breaking down the numbers, how they could make it better. And maybe I'll get that proposal out to Jay at some point. I'm, I'm sure they've evaluated that. And with competition now from Circa, they might have to uh, consider that. But it's all promotion, and they like to pay out well over a million. And I like the fact that Circa's playing a, paying a fat, flat million for first and then giving the rest out into various prize pools. Real, real quick, Matt, how is the pick selection process on the Circa app? Have you Is that how you submit a pick yeah, on Sunday? Yeah, incredibly okay. easy. How is it? Yeah, incredibly easy. You go in, you go in, you just dink, 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 hit submit, done. Like absolutely, absolutely a breeze. Yeah, absolutely a breeze. No problem whatsoever for me on my end. So uh, yeah, real good on them for for the selection process on the app. And again, having the app. Also, I think that plays into this as well with the 1,875 entries. I mean, that means that for Las Vegas residents that the buy-in is actually a true $1,000. I mean, every year when I entered the Westgate contest, even though it was 15 it actually was an $1,800 entry to me because I had to get a proxy because I'm, you know, I'm fairly busy during the NFL season and me making it down from where I live way west of town down to the Westgate on the east side of the strip every week to, to put these picks in by hand was just not feasible. And so I was having to pay for a proxy, even though I lived in town here. So, uh, Jay, I don't know if you I don't know how you did it, if you actually had to go down there every single week. But I mean, I, it, these contests were actually costing me an extra three hundred dollars every single year because. Because, you know, I didn't want to miss getting my picks in. Yeah, I knew someone who was doing it for uh, some others in the contest. I was I was also paying someone, but it was I was paying a hundred dollars as a partial. Mm-hmm. But um, it was yeah, it's even even though you live here, you uh, always had to wait, wait time over money. But these apps are certainly a huge convenience, and uh, I know the. Well, just briefly, the Golden Nugget, I talked to Tony Miller, the sportsbook director, and next year their contest is going to have uh, the app available as well. Oh, that's very, very nice and great to hear. Brett, we talked about the Pennsylvania contest with Rush Street. How did that end up over there? We don't know exactly how many entries it it, it got. I haven't seen a confirmation on the numbers. Uh, Rush Street says it got around 3500 which would have put it over the $500,000 guarantee, but it's still listing $125,000 first place prize. So I don't know exactly how that turned out but if they got 3500 they they hit their goal whether you know we talked about the ways they they went about doing that but um i guess we'll have to wait and see what the what the actual number is and then we have another contest that was announced and this was interesting because i really i mean we had we had talked to Johnny Avello. I had talked to him on a, another program that I do. I really was picking their brains to see if DraftKings was going to try to run some kind of handicapping contest, and it seemed like the overwhelming answer was no. But, Brett, here we are, and that is not the case. They actually are going to do a contest. Yeah, DraftKings has announced a super pool, which will begin on September 29th, which is the start of week four. Instead of picking five games a week, you pick 70 over the following 14 weeks, which I love. Not only do you can you be more selective with the games you pick if you happen, if something happens to you one week and you can't submit your picks or you forget, you're still fine. You're not immediately out of the contest. So uh, I like the addition there with the, you know, you just pick 70 games throughout the season. It is a $500 buy-in, uh, unlimited entries, I think I saw. Yes. And um, looks like it's going to be a first place 
guaranteed prize of $250,000. So uh, kudos to DraftKings. They did get one done. I would have liked to have seen it done, obviously, before week one. It looks like they were close to getting that done. But we have a, a, a super pool here in New Jersey now. Yeah, up to three entries at $500 a piece, a million dollars. Oh, it is three entries, yeah, okay. Yeah, a million dollars guaranteed for uh, the prize pool there. Jay, I too, like Brett, think this is a really good idea. At least it makes it a little bit more of a handicapping contest because one of the things we talk about with these contests is it's not really a true handicapping contest because you don't have a live bankroll, so you're not betting like you would if you were, you know, like you and I do on a typical week. Like I said, I I play a decent amount of teasers. I get in-game action almost as much as I do pre, pre-game action these days, and so it's not really a true handicapping contest to see who is the best better. It's more of a, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to do, and certainly there's skill involved, but you're not getting true lines by the time you're getting stale lines, and, and there's all kinds of things that go on well at least with this DraftKings one you don't have to make a certain amount every single week and you can pick and choose for if there's a week where you think that there's seven or eight lines that are more appealing to you and the very next week you come back and you're like man there's only two games that I'm even really really uh trying to get down on this week I do like that you have that option I think this is a pretty cool little tweak that they did I agree and this is you know it's it's a it's a analogy of poker you know playing cash game versus uh versus tournaments in in the way we bet we have the option of playing parlays and teasers and going in game and that's like the cash option you're always able to make make some money that way but the the contests are set up more like tournament and in this case you know they're starting week seven probably because they're just a little behind i'm thinking next year they'll probably have this as a year long but i think this is a good idea the the only issue I potentially see is people that want to follow the standings, which are not going to be consistent because some guys are going to have many more picks in than others in certain weeks. So you'll see the standings. Uh, some guys are going to be out ahead, but might only have 35 plays left, and some guys will be down the board, but they still have 42 selections left to make because they might not have taken five on a certain week. So that's the only thing. But I I like it. I like the setup and the the, the uh, I think uh, from an affordability level. It'll, certainly allow many more people and I think you'll see huge numbers for this turn out through DraftKings yeah I do as well and, and Brett one of the things we we often talk about is just I'm all for innovation and people trying new things and so you know that's another thing with this with this DraftKings contest that I'm kind of like hey man you know what at least you're out there trying something new with the the pick you know the how they're allowing the picks to be made and and whatnot and listen I they might figure out that uh, we should have done this or maybe we do this a little bit better but at least they're trying something different. Yeah, that's something we've seen out of DraftKings since the beginning, right? They're always trying new things. And I, you, yeah, I, I give them uh, some respect for this one. Um, again, I would have loved to see it start at the, at the beginning of the season. But for whatever reason, they couldn't get that done. But at least, um, you know, people who want to participate in a pool during the season can get it started week four. If people want to head over to thelines.com, they can find some basketball articles. Yes, basketball articles are (laughs) getting posted here in September. Brett, what are we looking at here as far as the FIBA? Well, Team USA fell to France in the quarterfinals of the FIBA World Cup on Wednesday. We sent our B team, maybe even we sent our C team to China, and these 
European squads just wiped the floor with us. Not only did the U.S. lose to France, they fell on Thursday to Serbia in a consolation game. So after not losing in international competition for like 13 years, Team USA dropped three games, including an exhibition game to Australia uh, over the past two weeks. And really not that big of a surprise. Um, you know, when the when the outright odds were up two months ago, USA was minus 600 to win this World Cup. Uh, our basketball writer, Chris Sheridan, who covered the tournament for us from start to finish, he said there was a lot of value on these other teams for several reasons. And he was spot on. I mean, within a month, Team USA's odds were just plummeting because guys were dropping out um, and, you know, just a lot of circumstances that did not favor the U.S. And as it turns out, uh, really, really early exit. The question is, do, does anybody really care over here? It would have been nice to see a yes-no prop on that. Will the U.S. Uh, uh, win the FIBA championship? They had six minus 600 favorite in July. A yes-no option would have been really cool to see on that one because yeah. I think you would have had probably some more no's, and then as the line dropped, you would have seen a lot more value on that. But as we, as we sit, Brett, still massive favorites to win the Olympics. Yeah, there was one line posted offshore uh, today. Team USA minus a thousand to win the 2020 Olympics. Uh, I haven't seen the line anywhere else, but that honestly, that looks about right to me, given the domination the U.S. has had over you know the Olympics for the past you know 20 plus years. Uh, we're actually going to send our A team over there. People are going to you know the, the top players are going to want to be involved in this. So if you are capping the 2020 Olympics don't don't factor this result into uh, you know where you decide to bet because this is going to be a completely different team completely different situation and the US I imagine the US will be right around a thousand minus a thousand to, to win this thing next year college football is heading into week three here we had some premier games last weekend not so much this weekend not even a single top 25 matchup this week we did see a couple of teams really shine in spotlight games or the games that everybody was watching interconference uh, games as well. So uh, really interesting. Of course, one of those was the LSU Texas game. LSU goes over to Austin and really shows out and shows that new NFL offense that they are running NFL style kind of spreadish offense that they're running against Texas. Uh, Joe Burrow, one of the, Big stars of that game made some really incredible throws. The broadcasters were going crazy about Joe Burrow. Everybody was really, really complimentary afterwards about Joe Burrow. And as we sit here, Jay, Joe Burrow's Heisman odds have plummeted. I mean, there were places where he was plus 8,000, now all the way down to plus 500. He is on the same level as some of the super elite guys coming into the season at this juncture whenever we look at the odds here. And I guess whenever you kind of look at it, if you're a book, you after you see that performance against Texas, you realize that you might not want to leave yourself open. And certainly there were some bets that came in, but you might not want to leave yourself too incredibly vulnerable here because the path to Joe Burrow winning the Heisman is actually pretty easy when you think about it because it's basically beat Bama. If you beat Bama, he's probably going to win the Heisman should these numbers keep up. Yeah, and looking at it now, it's easy to see, wow, he was a huge long shot. And most uh, you know, most betters and the season over under wins told you that LSU was going to be a contender this year. So to see him 
at those long odds and now dropping significantly is no surprise when you put up the kind of numbers and the performance. I mean, LSU had 573 yards total offense at Texas at 8.4 yards per play. I mean, really impressive. And Burrow, uh, obviously a big game through the air. So um, not much left from a value standpoint. But, yeah, if you still thought that um, that performers can continue then you might might consider but I, I caution because last year we saw Tua was really the favorite at this point of season all the way up to the SEC championship until he got overtaken by Murray with really just one poor performance in the SEC championship by Tua but he still had a tremendous season it was the favorite all the way so you know we might still see, still see a player or two rise up but Burrow is the one that's really obviously jumped off the board and performing exceptionally well early in the season. Uh, Brett Trevor Lawrence plus 350 at DraftKings Tua plus 350 at DraftKings Jalen Hurts at 600 and then Burrow at 800, you get into the 1,000-plus guys uh, once you start at Justin Fields there. I think the interesting one to me, even more than Joe Burrow, is still, for me, Jalen Hurts. Because I one thing, what we know about this Clemson team is they've, been, they've already played their last real game of the year until they get to the playoffs here. I mean, they are really and truly going to be you know, 20 plus point favorites in every single game for the rest of the year. So there are probably going to be several fourth quarters we don't see Trevor Lawrence. And so him being the, the, the co-favorite here to me, I think if you just read between the lines, I think that actually Tua is probably more the favorite. But to me, I actually think it's Jalen Hurts because I think there's going to be uh, several opportunities for Bama to rest Tua as well. And the way that this Oklahoma team is set up with such a poor defense, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be on the field pretty much every minute of every game barring injury. And I think his statistics at the end of the season are going to just look unbelievably crazy compared to these other guys because they're going to need every bit of Jalen Hurts if they're going to if they're going to win these games. Well, you're not alone. I talked to the guys that were a fan on Tuesday and they said that well, they said the Burrow was only getting one percent of tickets in handle for the Heisman in New Jersey. Jalen Hurts was getting the highest percentage out of anybody between 25 percent and 35 percent of tickets in handle. So people are piling on Jalen Hurts. I think his odds a couple of weeks ago were 20 to one. He's down to plus 700 the last I saw to win the Heisman. So a lot of movement on his odds as well. It's, it's pretty fascinating. You know, we started the season. It was just Lawrence and Tua. And now we've got several guys in the mix. If you do want Jalen Hurts, you're going to want to head over to FanDuel where he is plus 700. Over there at FanDuel, Burrow actually right there with Tua. Trevor Lawrence at plus 300. Burrow and Tua both coming in at 500. So, of course, if you want Tua, head over to FanDuel as well where you're getting 500 on him. You look at some of these other guys. I mean, just a little bit longer odds on most over there at FanDuel. So if this is something you're kind of into and you want to get some action on some of these uh, futures. I think that FanDuel seems to be the place to to head to if you want to get that going. But uh, kind of a dud of a week in college football. Jay, is there was there is there anything you want to talk about in college football this week? Is there anything that stood off the the page to you? I mean, I can't imagine there's going to be very many casual better games going on this week in college football. No, it's the one. T- it's the one week of the season where, and, and even last week, few games. We got all these non-conference games, and you're seeing tremendously high scoring blowouts by the top teams but there's you know there's an interesting game uh, USC comes off their really impressive win against Stanford and now goes to BYU and I think you'll see some of the sharp supporting BYU in that game they're a home underdog catching four and a half or so and and uh, they've you know went to Tennessee and won now they're uh, after not playing as well their opener and now they're returning home so that's going to be uh, interesting USC of course is now 
uh, starting a backup freshman quarterback who played very, very well against Stanford Slovis. And so um, I think the second time coming off that game is a little tricky spot for USC. And I think some of the sharp money might be on BYU in that game. But the rest without a top 25 isn't going to get as much drawing interest. But there'll be plenty of betting on some of the uh, top teams again who as you as you go to FanDuel and check out some of the percentages of bets and some other places like Sports Insight that provide the live odds and then the percentage of both money lines, spread bets, and totals, you're going to see the top teams garnering a high percentage of the bets as big favorites. Yeah, I think the only game that might actually get some casual interest isn't even on Saturday. It's on Friday night with Washington State and Houston. Um, it's One, it's a Friday night, so it's just a game where it's going to be like, oh, you know, there's something to bet on. There's football to bet on on Friday night. Let me get in on that. And plus, it's just two teams known for putting up big, big, uh, big offensive performances. We're looking at a total of 73 points in that game I imagine by the time this thing kicks off we might be looking at 75 points in this thing because again I think the casual better who's arriving in Vegas rolling into Atlantic City rolling into to Biloxi or Indiana or any of these places on a Friday and you know oh I'm waiting on Saturday morning to bet but ah, I've got one game I can get down on Brett on Friday night I imagine we're going to see some 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 action on this Washington State Houston game yeah you're going to see that over crawl and then Tomorrow, well, Friday night. Yeah, you're right. It, it's it's going to reach. It's just at a 73 right now. Yeah, it's it's going to hit 75. I I would be surprised if it didn't. Yeah, I mean, every we we know casual betters love to bet the over. I understand it. I get it 100. You don't want to you don't want to root for defense. You want to root for points. So uh, I get it there. That is a quote unquote neutral field game, but it is actually taking place in Houston at the Houston Texans Stadium. So uh, you know, Houston is is located in. But if you're wondering where the University of Houston was, guys, it's in Houston. So it's good, you know, good, good to know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's it's a neutral field game that is in in Houston. So uh, not not the case. All right. Let's look at NFL. Let's take a quick look back here real quick at NFL week one. This is the thing that you're going to have beaten over your head. So we're not going to say it 50 million times here, but don't overreact to everything you saw in week one. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, you've probably already heard it 50 million times. So we're not going to sit here and harp on that. That being said. Jay, what was a team that you saw that you think maybe is better than they actually showed? And then what is a team that you think is probably worse than they actually showed? Um, I do a lot of box. I, every Sunday night, I go through all the box scores and I load them into a database and I track and have written years about rushing guidelines and using the rushing numbers. And there's some teams that initially are a little off, I think, going into the season. Um, a team that potentially, uh, well, after a week one performance, looks like they're going to be better than uh, many of us thought is the Titans. A real impressive performance, not only going on the road and beating the Browns, but beating them handily. They certainly benefited from a plus three turnover differential by Cleveland with the interceptions. But, uh, you know, to hold the Browns uh, to less than 10 first downs is real impressive for their defense. And they were balanced on offense. So they, they run for 123. They run it 28 times. An average NFL team will run the ball uh, 26 times a game. And when you start running it for over 30, I have a lot of statistical stuff. And I'll, I'll maybe be posting some of that on the lines as I talk to Brett about how to use um, guidelines, not just for statistical profiles, but specifically to rushing. And, and so I think the Titans are a team that uh, – more impressed with and a team on the downside you know uh, you know the Giants 
and people are going to overreact. We've already seen that with their line, with their week two line being a home underdog to Buffalo because Buffalo rallied to win. And I know you guys said you weren't as impressed with the Jets, and I agree. But the Giants did run. They were the only team that had a really good rushing attack for yardage. They rushed for 151 against Dallas. Usually that's going to get you a cover if um, if they run it enough. But they only ran it 17 times, so yards per rush was real strong. They did have 470 yards total offense. So as much as we criticize Eli, the, the pass passing game was pretty good at 7.1 yards per play. Those are really good offensive numbers. And now they're returning home as an underdog against Buffalo. I think you'll see a real strong effort out of the Giants this week. Not sure they'll win, but we're going to evaluate some of that moving forward. But that's a team that may not be quite as bad as we thought. And um, that's that's uh, some of the thoughts on a few teams I noticed. Brett, what jumped off the page at you as, man, I was... I was really wrong about that team. That team certainly is either better or worse for me. And, and give us kind of an example of both. Dallas. Mm-hmm. I was more impressed by Dallas than any team in week one. I was already high on this defense. I uh, really liked the way they played last year. And obviously everybody talks about the offensive line and the running game. But Kellen Moore came in as the new play caller and he and Dak Prescott shredded this Giants defense. It was one of the more efficient passing performances we've seen over the past few years. And if you add that crucial piece from a quarterback who has struggled since he started with this team a couple of years ago, that's a dangerous football team. And I think we're starting to see the books adjust for that. It's only one game and and, we don't want to overreact. We don't want to get caught up in that, but that was a real. I would. That was the most impo- uh, impressive performance. Even more. I mean, obviously more impressive than beating up on the, the Dolphins like the Ravens did. But um, man, that that Dallas team is. I think that Dallas team is a legit Super Bowl contender. Co-duds almost five hundred yards. Almost five hundred yards, Matt and Brett uh, at eight yards a play for the Cowboys. Those are really really strong offensive numbers. Yeah, Dak goes for over four hundred in that one, and it was uh, yeah, it it was never even any resistance in that thing. Co-duds for me and teams that I think I'm going to downgrade even further than I already had. I thought there was going to be regression for both of these teams anyway. I thought they were going to be kind of middling teams as it was, but I think that there's a chance that they could be bad is the Bears and Broncos, and they actually end up playing this week, so I'll get to see this battle of the two teams. But uh, I was up there in Chicago for this the, the Bears-Packers game, and we heard the rumors, and we kept hearing it. And, you know, listen, these beat writers are entrenched with these teams all year long. They're at practice every single day. They're seeing stuff that we're not. And we heard that Mitch Trubisky had, one, not only not taken – that next step, which everybody's kind of looking for in a in a year three quarterback, but that he might have actually even regressed. And what we saw was, if anything, certainly a plateau, if not regression from Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, guy looked like a deer in the headlights out there. And don't get me wrong, Packers defense is probably going to give people fits all year, but... That does not excuse the fact that Mitchell Trubisky just mistake after mistake, bad decision after bad decision, a guy that did not look like he had taken the next step whatsoever. So, I mean, yeah, this Bears defense is still going to keep them in most games, but are they going to be able to score enough points to win? That is going to be the question for me moving forward with the Bears. And then the Broncos here. I mean, listen, everybody was excited. Vic Fangio coming over. And then we see this guy just, I mean, yeah, first-time head coach, and you saw it, just horrible, horrible game management decisions, horrible. I mean, absolute clock management stuff, horrible, not knowing the score and when to go for it and when not to kick a field goal. I mean, there were just so many things you watch from this Broncos team, and you go, boy, this team could be actually bad if, if this where, continues up 
where was the pressure on Carr? That's the thing. And yeah. that was the, the biggest surprise to me was where was Chubb? Where was Von Miller? If you get you get pressure on Carr, he does the stupidest things. And he he had all day to throw the football. What happened there? Well, I mean, and then you have the fact of you have the head coach who decides when you're down eight, when you're down 15 to go from 15 to 12 with eight and a half minutes yes. left in the game. He kicks a field goal to go from 15 to 12. That's still two touchdowns. I mean, uh, this is simple math. I mean, Jay, I know we've joked about this on this podcast and you and I we, and, and Brad have talked about this time and time uh, again when it comes to these NFL coaches and stuff. But I mean, this is stuff we have to take into account. I mean, if Vic Fangio still going to be old school where of the thought of ah we're just going to take the points when we can get them as opposed to playing optimally and trying to actually win I mean this is something I'm going to certainly watch over the next few weeks here and play and put into my how I assess this Broncos team yeah I I can't say I watched uh believe it or not I didn't watch much of the Raiders game at all but the the thought of being down 15 midway through the fourth quarter and not going is one and, and another team to note um in a similar situation was there were some really God, just so awful decisions by the Steelers coaching staff um, to not be going on fourth down inside the, I don't know. was it where they at the one yard line when they're getting shut yeah. out and they're, they're kicking a field goal and also near midfield on four third and one fourth and one. And, and if you note about the Steelers as well, they're, they're running out of the shotgun on third and short, second and short, third and short. They're not running the ball well at all and then they're running it out of the shotgun and it just it's got to be a pet peeve for so many people including myself when you see a team can't just line up and get a yard uh, under center because the next series after uh, Pittsburgh turns it over there's Brady not in the shotgun but under center and running their offense and it's it's a frustrating when you do see the coaches not making the uh, really fundamental and mathematical correct decisions and that was certainly one of them with Denver yeah. but this is an interesting game this week they're both winless back on there's some real strong stuff with Denver in the first two weeks at home or they've just been nearly unbeatable and you've got a team like the Bears now Extra rest coming off the Thursday game, but going to altitude, and that's one thing early in the season that's proven real profitable for Denver betters. And then your comments on Trubisky with him struggling so poorly, I think this is a tough spot for him to go in this week as well to Denver. Man, I, it just going back to that Sealers game, yeah, I mean, I put out a, a tweet. It, 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 it put me on tilt so much in that game that I actually tweeted about it. It's like, yeah, you are third and one from the one-yard line, uh, and you've got a quarterback that weighs as much as a Fiat, and he's like, and he's, <laughs> and he's in shotgun and then the then on the very next down you kick a field goal I was like that was the most Mike Tomlin sequence I've ever seen in my life I mean Brett we're never going to escape this this is just these guys make seven figures and here we are just slubs that that watch enough football to know that this is not how you win NFL games in 2019 dude yeah it's 2019 we have every metric and situational data point imaginable at our fingertips and these coaches can't figure out what to do in these situations it's it's unbelievable it's crazy and uh one of the big bets of the week and made a lot of noise made mainstream even i mean this was this was all over the place if you have a, if you don't know how points bet works you can head over to the lines and there'll be an explanation over there and of course if you want to sign up we have some really great sign up offers over there as well but uh, points bet is over in new jersey going to be across the united states as well and they have a way of betting called points betting and it is where you pick a side and when you do, however much your bet wins by is how much you can win or lose. You just you just put a price on each point. Well, this better went in and put down 
$30,000 a point. And fortunately for him, he had picked the Ravens in that game. He did set a stop loss. He did set a stop loss at 600,000. But uh, as you know, the Ravens went in and drummed the Dolphins and his $30,000 a point netted him the full 600,000 in the points bet there. Brett, you and I talked about it. It's kind of a sicko way to bet, but it's also pretty intriguing. Like it's like almost the ultimate kind of it's almost like the ultimate gamble. It's awesome. I love it. I, I'm I'm so afraid that I'm gonna be like caught up in points betting when we have it here in New York. But um, yeah, it this this is pretty incredible. I mean, the guy put up six hundred thousand dollars. You have to put up the full amount of your of your stop loss uh, when you put in the bet. So this guy put up six hundred thousand dollars, and unfortunately for him, he had that stop loss because I mean, if he could have won a million dollars on this bet, yeah, if he had exactly. thirty some points, I mean, that's it's insane. But uh, yeah, great read. I know we we were pretty high on the Ravens in this spot too, but um, yeah, this this was the biggest. Uh, as far as I know, the biggest bet of the week. Jay, could you see yourself points betting if it were to ever make its its way to Nevada? I have to tell you, I points bet. I I points bet over twenty years ago, and I was trying to think. Of, I obviously I had done it offshore, and I yeah. I almost want to say it might have been bookmaker that had it at the time. So I I have played points bet. I loved it when I did it. Um, the beauty of it is. When you find teams that you think are going to be really competitive as underdogs, now you don't have to bet a money line. You can bet them points, you know, points bet like that. Say they're six or seven point dogs. Now they went outright by six or seven and you're getting, you know, you're really getting multiple. You're, you're hitting much greater and, and uh, a dollar amount than if you just said, oh, I think they'll win outright. Now you get it per point. And I, I love the betting opportunity. I wish they would spread it out more in uh, Nevada. I hadn't seen it, but yeah, I played it many, many years ago and, and like the opportunity. And now we're seeing a, a sports book take advantage of providing it to the, the customers. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Glad to see everyone. Uh, you know, all again, uh, just goes back to the deal we were talking about earlier. Just any sort of innovation, any sort of change, any sort of bringing new things to the market. Uh, I'm all for some of them won't work. Some of them will. Some of them be awesome. Some of them will suck. But as long as people are trying new things and seeing what catches and and seeing what's fun for not only the casual better for but for pros. I imagine this guy was if he's not a pro, he's at least a pretty confident dude in his in his betting ability to, to put up the 600 K. So uh, good on him. And that is pretty awesome story. And like I said, really, really kind of made the rounds. Even mainstream picked up on all of that. But let's look at week two here real quick. Um, Jay, are there any games that are standing out to you here in week two? As we mentioned, of course, Sam Darnold is out. That move, that line, a full four points to now where the Browns are six and a half point favorites in that game. We're looking at this massive spread of the Patriots that is kind of toggling now. It looks like it's hit the it looks like it's hit the peak because we are on Thursday where the limits have opened up. So if we thought this thing was going to get to 20 or 21, I think it might have already have have kind of gotten there. Instead, we're seeing it seeing some resistance there. It's fallen back now to 18 and a half where we had seen it get as high as 19, 19 and a half. Uh, Anything standing out to you? Yeah, I've made some plays already. I'll comment a little bit. Whenever I see a week where we're going to have seven home underdogs, I can assure you that that's got my attention. And 
there was actually eight from the openers, and I played Cincinnati early. This has gone from them opening a one-point home underdog against San Francisco to now up to one and a half. We're seeing twos pop. If you like the Bengals, I think you still should try to get in um, at one and a half. You certainly could play a little extra and just play them on the money line if that's of interest. There's some real strong statistical things, you guys, on teams that are playing back-to-back road games to start the season. And we've got four teams this week that are in that role. San Francisco's one of them. And... Uh, and the Bills are another one, so I, I caution because as well they're 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 um, on the road at the Giants. You've Come got, on, let's not call this a road game. They can moonwalk down to the Giants Stadium. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to hear. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this yeah, road I, game stuff. I will say it's it's still considered road, but yeah, it's back to back in the same stadium yeah, I mean, as well. So yeah, nothing I mean, there. But the San Francisco on. one in particular <laughs> is is their traveling. Uh, for people that are following, they're not. They did not go back to the West Coast. They stayed out, so they're not going to have the full travel. But situationally, this is what you look for, I think, in some of these matchups. The concern for me with Cincinnati is they did not run. They only ran the ball 17, I think, 17 times last week, and they went to the air. But you know that was a good game plan they had. And so anyway, the Bengals are a team that I played as well as the Detroit Lions. I think coming back home is poorly. You know, the public sees what they did. They blew the game. But this is going to be. I think an outright win for the Lions. They're getting two and a half here at home. You're going to get a lot of argument from the public betters because the Chargers are taking money, but I think the Lions win this outright. Um, they're going to play well, really well back home, I think, in this week, too. And a lot of situations set up for these some of these home underdogs returning home. This is home opener for the Lions. Chargers travel now off a good win, but if you, if you looked at they should have probably been beat, and statistically, they gave up 203 rushing yards to the Colts last week. The Lions will run it, um, as is their MO now, a little bit more. They're also lose Hunter the- Henry as well. Hunter Henry, a uh, target there for in the in the red zone for Phillip Rivers. Also, Hunter Henry going to be out. So, yeah, I mean, definitely. And yes, you mentioned, uh, 97% of the money right now on the spread at DraftKings Sportsbook is on the Chargers. Brett, 97% is on. I mean, listen, I get it. They're, the Lions were a little uninspiring in letting the, the Cardinals come back and, and, and win that. Well, and, you know, basically win that game. It's a win for the Cardinals. I mean, that's, that's for sure. But, um, I mean, 97% of the cash is crazy. Hang on. Let me just circle Lions. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, I that's mean, that's crazy. Man. Yeah, that's just absolutely nuts. Um, what are some early thoughts from you, Brett? Are there any of these games that seem to be kind of kind of popping uh, to you? I mean, another one of the I mean, you you talked about liking the Cowboys. That is another team that is just getting massive, massive amounts at DraftKings. Ninety five percent of the spread money is on the Cowboys in wow. that one. I mean, just absolutely huge. Chiefs are getting eighty three percent of the spread action there. Bears getting, and this is this is real, guys, and this is a, a information as of Wednesday night. We're taping this on Thursday morning, so it's not completely, you know, it's not actually completely up to date whenever we're doing this, but it didn't change that much. Bears, 99% of the, of the money on minus two and a half for the Bears there, Brett. Yeah, I... I mean, what, what can you say? That's obviously <laughs> going to change, but that, that's that's wild. Uh, and, and that's that's you know, one of the games that you guys are looking at very closely. So uh, curious to see where we all end up on that one on Sunday. The one game I mean, the game the game I'm looking at is Patriots Dolphins. I mean, we all watched the drubbing in Miami on, on Sunday. This Dolphins team is barely 
a professional football team, but they are a professional football team, and they're getting 18 and a half at home. This thing opened last week at nine and a half, and yeah, I think the books misjudged just how bad Miami is, and the Pats might be better than we thought, especially if they work A-B, A-B into the mix this week, but come on. like I feel like this is at least four points off. Is Bill Belichick really going to run it up against his former uh, colleague? I just, I don't see it happening, but can we click on the Dolphins? That's the question. Can we really support this team? Let's actually go ahead. Let's actually go ahead and take a poll right now. So Brett, I'll start with you and then we'll go to Jay, but what would the number have to be for you to put your hard earned money on the Dolphins. So like what would that number where you would confidently be able to click that button and put your money on the Dolphins? I mean, I have a pretty high risk tolerance, so I would say 14. So, I really like the Dolphins this week, man. It's wow. this, this line this line is absurd to me. Okay, bro, uh, all right, Jay, what would that number need to be for you to click the Dolphins? Well, I'm going to wait a little. I will, I'll have a little bet on the Dolphins. I still have some concerns about not not that they're tanking, but their personnel and, and how this is it. So, you know, I'm fine where it's at, but I and I wouldn't bet it lower than 16. Um, but I think uh, what is this? This is a record since 2007. I think the Patriots were laying 19 at Baltimore. I think this is a record number on the road. Um, or tying a record number on the road, and by game time, it, it may be. I think we saw one offshore location had 19 and a half, so it's uh, it's it's crazy. It's uh, it have to be uh, it have to be a full three touchdowns for me. It have to be 21. Wow, 21. Really? I'm not going to put I'm not going to put my money on fewer than three touchdowns on this Dolphins team, and then after I watch them get beat by 30, feel like an absolute moron. It's just not going to happen. At least if I have three full touchdowns to work with, then I can say, listen, if this professional NFL team can't keep it within three touchdowns then you know what it is yeah at home (laughs) then it is what it is but you know i mean a i mean seriously i mean is it really out of the realm of possibility to see a patriots 20 20 point win 21 point win of course course no i think it's actually the most likely outcome to be perfectly honest with with you the thing with the patriots i mean this happens every year with the patriots like you you end up on the right side versus the patriots and they still cover all the stats, all the metrics point to, okay, yeah, we were on the right side, but how did the Patriots still cover? Because they just they just do it. It's yeah. unbelievable. So I just don't know if the Dolphins have enough. I mean, this Patriots defense is actually good. I mean, this is probably the, one of the best Patriots defenses yes. we've ever seen. And yeah. I just don't know if the Dolphins have enough to score to keep it close. So I, it might not be the fact that Belichick's intentionally – running it up or anything i just don't know if the dolphins have enough firepower to to, to score enough you know i mean like it just to to keep it uh close enough so i don't know it, it'd have to be three full touchdowns for me it's not going to get there and so this is certainly going to be a pass for me my spot of the week that i kind of really like is the steelers coming back home after that drubbing yeah. um against the seahawks team that i think is 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 not very good um i think it showed the seahawks team is not very good and i mean listen Russell Wilson, I've never been a big Russell Wilson guy. And look, it's not even Russell Wilson at this point. It is Pete Carroll's just stubborn and he wants to play old school and he wants to run the ball and he wants to run the ball and he wants to run the ball and he waits too late to decide to have to pass the ball. He waits till it's almost forced upon him to have to pass the ball. And so, you know, for me, I think this number, if we wouldn't, if we would have seen if we wouldn't if we wouldn't have seen the Steelers get their ass just completely handed to them, I think this number probably would have been five and a half or six. But, you know, it's four and a half as we sit right now because the Steelers just got beat beat down so badly. But coming back home, I think this is a get right spot for a team that I think is clearly, clearly better than the Seahawks team. 
Love it. Yeah, we'll definitely be talking about this one on the podcast tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. All right, before we get out of here, guys, uh, real quick, let's talk about our uh, – we have a – over on the lines.com, Nate Weitzer does a power rankings article here. And let's just take a look real quick. His top five, New England, Kansas City, New Orleans, Rams, and Cowboys. Brett, do you have any do you have any argument with that top five? Is there any team that would slide in as a po- uh, in front of any of these other teams? How do you feel about that that top five? Yeah, going into week one, he had the Eagles at number five and he had Dallas at number 10. So he slid, he slid Dallas from number 10 all the way up to number five ahead of the Eagles, which is pretty interesting. I I can't I can't disagree, though, just given what we saw out of Dallas in that dominating performance on Sunday. Um, yeah, I, I have no issue really at all with this top five here. I think New England's clearly number one right now. And, you know, the Chiefs, Saints, Rams are, are right up there inside the top five as well. Jay, what's it look like to you? We have Patriots, Chiefs, Saints, Rams, and Cowboys in the top five. Does that sound about right to you? Do, would you reshuffle the order? Or is there someone missing from that top five that you think that you would slot in there? I think it's it's really close. I, I don't think I'd slide Philadelphia down uh, quite as much just yet. I still have them in the top five. I, You know, they... Uh, yeah, they were at home, but they still put up 400 and almost 440 at 6.1 yards per play. The concern was their defense allowed almost seven yards of play, but most of it was through the air. And um, obviously, Philadelphia had to come behind. So the, they, they, uh, as much as and as poorly as they were falling behind 17 nothing, they went on a huge run to actually get ahead of the spread. So that's uh, that's still a good football team, and I wouldn't drop them. I'd have them in the top five. Dallas, maybe just – you remember, they're starting out here against uh, the Giants and Washington to start the season. They're realizing the importance of those division games, and they're better than those teams, so give them credit, and they were very impressive. But maybe not quite yet to give them all the kudos until we see a few more games. Yeah, yeah I would – the only thing I would do here, I would slide Philadelphia – up to number three and slide New Orleans down to number six. And this is coming from a guy who's a Saints fan. But, I mean, this Saints defense is going to give it up. And, I mean, listen, if it, it, we've seen this time and time again with teams like this, right? I mean, if you have to rely on going in and outscoring the other team every single week, and, you know, the Chiefs kind of play that that uh, type of football, but the Chiefs have a much easier road over in the AFC and it's, uh, than the, and it's per- certainly being in the division that they're in, getting a couple of games with the Raiders, a couple of games with the Broncos, where the Saints, I mean, that's just going to be a hellish division. Uh, it's a horrible, horrible schedule for the Saints as well. And and so unless this defense really comes together over the next few weeks here, I think the Saints team is pr- is set up pretty well to disappoint. So me, it would go Patriots, Chiefs, Eagles, Rams, Cowboys, then the Saints coming in at number six. But no real, real, you know, giant shuffling here or anything like that. So I got to talk to Nate about this Green Bay ranking. I, I don't know why he stood out to me as well. Brett. He hates the Packers, apparently. He had him 14 last week. They beat the Bears in Chicago, and he <laughs> moved him up one spot. He's They're still behind the Bears. I don't, oh. I don't get it. I would, I would have Green Bay probably number seven or eight. I really like Green Bay this year, so. Guys, thanks for listening to this episode here. Again, we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Please, please, if you're listening to this on YouTube, head over to one of those as well. Hit subscribe or hit subscribe on the YouTube channel as well. We certainly love to get subscribers there too. At The Lines US, at PlayPix US for finding us on Twitter. That is also at Brett Colson, at Fairway J, and at 
Matt Brown M2 if you'd like to follow us individually. Of course, great, great stuff going on over at the Lions. New odds feed as well, so be sure and check that out. And, of course, the picks articles over at Play Picks as well. For Brett, for Jay, I am Matt. Talk to you guys next week.